Hello, and welcome to episode 157 of the CogniCast, a podcast about software and the people who create it. I'm Russ Olson. This week, along with our usual stellar host, Gotti Shaban, we have two guests. Cognitech's own Justin Getlin and Newbank CTO Ed Weibel. Ed and Justin will be talking about the Cognitech Newbank marriage and about growing Closurus and about how both Cognitech and Newbank are looking to grow our team. On top of that, with this episode, we're introducing some new theme music, music by Newbank's own Otto Nascarara. So sit back, open your ears and your mind to Ed and Justin in episode 157 of the CogniCast. Welcome, everybody. Today is February 1st, 2021, and this is the CogniCast. I'm your host, Gadi Shaban, and today we have two very special guests. We have Ed Weibel, the CTO and co-founder of NewBank, and we have Justin Getland, the CEO of Cognitect and Senior Director of Engineering at NewBank. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Gadi. Gadi. <laughs> well, um, this is particularly exciting for me because this is the first um, podcast um, featuring both Cognitect and Eubank together uh, as one uh, happy marriage. Um, the marriage happened last year. Um, August the 3rd. August the 3rd in the middle of the pandemic. And um, now we're, we've experienced a few months as uh, one happy family. And this is very exciting to have a conversation um, as uh, one company together. So um... awesome to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we uh, we pulled off uh, this crazy transaction and transition in the middle of the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my professional life and, and my personal life largely. <laughs> um, and it's been very weird trying to uh, pull it all together when um, people are scattered over is it six countries now, Ed? Something uh, like that. I, I think weird is a, is a good word for it. When, you know, growing up the way we did in Newbank, we used to refer to Cognitect as like, you know, those people, right? That like, we don't speak to them. We speak about them. We read about them on the internet, but we don't really interact, right? And actually living long enough to see that become, uh, you know, joined as, as part of our team is, is just surreal. Um, and, and more selfishly, completely rewarding for me to see things that at one point, at one point in the past were, you know, either somewhat overwhelming or hard problems that were my problem. And now they are our problem. And, uh, and that's quite liberating because there's a lot of new folks at Newbank who are ready, willing, able to, to tackle stuff that is really, really hard. So I'm um, feeling very, very uh, nice to be all together and to have that conversation and that interaction uh, just really ramp up post-transaction. Uh, post yeah, and I think that the, um, uh, I will say that the only uh, regret that I have about any of this so far is that we haven't been able to jump on airplanes and go hang out <clears throat> at each other's 
home offices or um, see any of the other offices around the, the, the world yet, it's been uh, a heck of a lot of Zoom to try to get to know everybody and get to, to, to be integrated. Um, uh, and uh, it will be nice when we can finally like go sit in a conference room or at the bar or <laughs> wherever else we will congregate uh, and, and try to get people to meet face to face. I, I think it, that'll be a lot of fun, but um, I will also say it's been um, remarkably, uh, it's been a lot easier to integrate over Zoom than I really had any hope would be true. Um, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, uh, I think Cognitech has been a distributed first organization for a long time and um, Newbank had had to really jump uh, off the cliff and into the deep end, um, uh, you know, in March and um, had already sort of made the cultural transition. So uh, the integration I think went smoother as a result, though I'm sure your March to August were not <laughs> the easiest months in your corporate history, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm still surprised at how that played out. We we went home from one day to the next, and there was some adjustment, but there was also a lot of coming to terms with problems that we already had. We have folks in Berlin, we've got folks in Buenos Aires, in Mexico City, now in Bogota, in Colombia. Um, now, of course, with folks all across the, the United States uh, to, you know, learning how to adapt to a remote friendly, more a culture that's more in writing, a culture that's more async friendly. Um, we needed to do that. And I think we actually accelerated our process of like realizing that and confronting that as, as an issue. And I think it's, it's made us stronger. There was a great um, cartoon that passed through my social media uh, life today of uh, a boardroom of people sitting, you know, they're around the table saying, uh, you know, the digital transformation is coming, but it's going to take another 10 to 15 years for our company to really, you know, buy into it. And then outside the window was a wrecking ball that says COVID-19 on it, swinging <laughs> towards the window. <laughs> uh, uh, I think um, uh, it's great that, that Newbank was able to make that leap. Um, uh, and, you know, we, what we, as Cognitech expects to find it most of the time when we, you know, when we were a consulting organization, we would join these, these companies who were struggling through that transformation. And um, we didn't find a lot of that struggle uh, as we integrated. In fact, a lot of that culture was just already baked and, and ready to go. There are a few more Slack channels than there were in the Cognitech Slack, I'll grant you. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I think we, we've overdone that. <laughs> like by an order of magnitude, I think. Yeah, how I many more? A few thousand more. <laughs> uh, uh, one, but... I mean, one, one other aspect of, of COVID, if there are silver linings, I think, you know, people in Latin America haven't wanted to be hanging out in bank branches, right? So one of the kind of concepts of, you know, being a digital only bank is that folks need to be comfortable with that, that your your app really is your connection, right? You can pick up the phone, like you can reach us via email, whatever, but, you know, that's it. it you know, there's no branch. And I think that accelerated that mentality shift to just, it's just something everybody does now. And it really wasn't uh, at least a few years ago. So that's uh, one, one silver, silver lining. I know I never picked up groceries um, in a in a drive through before uh, before March of last year, but now I I don't see myself changing from that if if possible. <laughs> but <laughs> that's right. It's now it is now part of how you live. 
Well, that's not not to say that there weren't issues doing doing a, a transition to remote, but um, maybe they were before August the third, and maybe <laughs> right. we never we never really uh, got to see them. But it, it's like a like a ballerina's feet, you know. It's like it's it's everything everything above the surface is 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 great, but then you know there's an internal struggle there. Um, can you? Do you have any sort of surprise challenges that we that you experienced? We experienced uh, from from March yeah, we, to... from before times. <laughs> I, I might I might highlight one that's you know not necessarily related to this event or even the recent history, but something that having Cognitech folks as part of the team has made it increasingly clear is that Newbank put a lot of effort and thought into our initial microservice design for a service. Um, services were typically small, they're not too hard to understand, and so there wasn't a lot of documentation. There is a lot of like, oh, you just read the tests, right? It's well tested. Um, but the emergent complexity of a system that is now 500 plus microservices and the sort of missing, you know, you know s summary layers, right, that allow you to make sense of that system and drill into it progressively versus confronting, you know, 500 plus things directly that's missing and we're working on it, but trying to find a way to have the system and, and like layers of abstraction that aren't microservices, right? That are domains of microservices and layers of, of abstraction and, and, and getting that to be clearer is an interesting sort of connective tissue and scaling uh, strategy that wasn't clear to me, probably should have been clearer to me earlier, um, better late than never, but it's now something we're, we're working on it's, and, and I'm seeing new folks joining Newbank uh, missing some of that. And so I think that's something that gets even more important when you can't just go to the whiteboard and have someone just lay it out for you, uh, you know, real quick, this is how it works, if anyone is still capable of, of doing that. So so I will I will take a moment to, to latch on to something you just said there, Ed. <clears throat> um, so obviously, I've had the, the pleasure of being connected to Ed and to, you know, a variety of folks on the team for longer than August 3rd, obviously, you know, conversations take a while to play out. And so um, I've had a, a chance to talk to a lot of members of the management team and, and, uh, and the, the leadership group for the last year or so. And one thing that um, uh, continues to strike me, uh, it, I actually get a chuckle out of it most of the time, is how little credit everybody at Newbank gives themselves for what has been accomplished so far. Um, what are the numbers again, Ed? 500 microservices, 700 engineers, 34 million customers, a $25 billion valuation as of last Thursday. Uh, and the company is just under seven years old. Is that right? <laughs> Actually looking at a, my dashboard here, I've got a couple more numbers. We're currently doing about 32 billion HTTP requests handled per week and about 18 billion Kafka messages consumed per week as well. And we've written about 1.4 million lines of closure, uh, which if you speak with, with Rich is way too much. <laughs> what, what have we been doing? So but, I, I'm excited to figure out the answer to that question. But if you, walk, if, you, if you walked up to any other company or team that had any of those numbers and said, how many lines of code do you have? I don't actually even care what language they were in. The number would be a lot more than mm -hmm. 1.4 million, like a lot more. <laughs> so, uh, so all of that is to say uh, a company that's been on this form of a hockey stick is, you know, always going to have things it wishes it 
would have done differently along the way, but you don't get to this kind of growth and scale if you're not doing most things well. Uh, and uh, um, so it's, it's, I think, important to, to capture that, that like, I mean, what, wasn't it just a year and a half ago that the size of the engineering team doubled? Uh, or was it two years ago, whenever that was? Um, uh, 700 engineers is a lot. 700 closure engineers is a crazy big number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and honestly, this is my favorite subject. I couldn't be prouder of the team we put together and now the, the combined company. Um, although, you know, the, the way that, as you said, that hockey stick, the, just the kind of the velocity and the acceleration, um, the way that played out, at least for me and for lots of the folks who, who lived through, through most of it, we ended up with a lot of people for whom it was their first rodeo, literally, like the, you know, in terms of the relevant axes of diversity, diversity of experience, in, in, including different types of experience and different like lengths of experience. Um, we, we were really lacking that. And it's actually one of the things that I'm getting more and more excited by as we get more, either more senior folks, folks with more, you know, varied experience, folks with deeper experience, specialists into the team is how rich those new perspectives are and how much we learn that like, we didn't know that we didn't know the thing that we like, didn't even know how to ask the question. And, and uh, a lot of those things are being surfaced now. So as we are tapping into more senior folks and sort of rounding out at least that axis of diversity uh, at Newbank, it's really, it's really exciting to see that and to see that turning into like a structured program that seniors people up, right. And pairs people up for mentorship and actually turns this sort of talent machine that we've built into something that is really effective at producing new closure talent uh, and, and, you know, frankly, giving, giving those folks to the world to, to attack really hard technical problems, which I'm, I'm really proud of. I will say that, that as we joined, I did not know what part of, of who Cognitech was culturally and is culturally was going to be most valuable. Right. And we, we'd had lots of discussions about how we could interact as, as an organization and what roles that the various people might play. Um, and it, it is absolutely true in my mind that the, the thing that we provide more than anything else is gray hair. <laughs> that, um, you know, we walk you, in, in most rooms we're point. in, we are definitely the grayest people. <laughs> yeah, you, you personally, Justin, definitely, uh, yeah, tip the scale on one. Uh, so yes, I think that, that there's there's a lot of room for that. And I will take this opportunity to mention that one of the the value propositions from the Newbank side in making this transaction happen was to um, build a bigger pipeline um, in the US, but also sort of globally for, um, you know, talent to come in. And, and we are on a hiring push. We're in a hiring push here in the US. We're on a hiring push in Germany. We're on a hiring push sort of all over wherever we can find um, folks who want to join this cause. And we're looking for, you know, senior technologists, but also, uh, you know, project managers and product managers and engineering managers. And, you know, all those, we know, we know so many of you, <laughs> and we know that there are lots and lots of people who listen to the Cognitast. Um, you should be aware that we're hiring and, and uh, you know, please reach out if, uh, you know, this, this journey sounds like it would be fun. Because it certainly is fun. I'll tell it's you a that. Blast. 
I, I would also add technical writing, which was yeah. something that I literally didn't know existed a few years back. And we don't necessarily do it well, but we're learning. And as we get like professional technical writers on the team, again, like eye-opening, mind-expanding, uh, it's really exciting. So hopefully that that continues as well. Yeah, and and people who specialize in onboarding and developer training and develop, you know, engineering education. Like these are all the places where a company, what do we have, 2,800-ish people right now? And that number is just going to continue to grow. Um, uh, and there's just so many opportunities to do cool stuff. And, and uh, the other fun part of joining Ubank was being able to immediately see what the roadmap of new products and new you know, endeavors is all the new stuff that is being built that isn't strictly, you know, it's not a credit card and it's not, you know, a savings account. There's all these other financial things that, that, you know, the bank is tackling uh, as it grows and, and becomes a, 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 you know, a bigger player on the, on the market. So, uh, so much fun stuff to do. Yeah. Not, not to mention other axes like geographical expansion or expanding beyond the sort of initial customer uh, segment uh, serving companies, right? Serving, you know, different uh, ends of the uh, the spectrum in terms of, you know, economic means. There's all kinds of room and, and sort of pivot points to expand. Um, the international one is, is also really exciting. Like while Nubank continues to have the largest presence in Brazil, we've already launched Mexico and we're working on launching Colombia, which for, for engineers, um, you know, it's very front loaded, the sort of investments you need to make to then be able to expand to new countries. And so it's really gratifying to actually see, you know, all that work start to start to show some results. So um, couldn't be more excited about what, what, you know, what comes next 2022, what are the new countries? Um, I honestly don't know, but I'm expecting, I'm expecting some and I'm expecting it to be exciting. I want to drill into that point a little bit um, about scaling and how much upfront uh, thought needs to needs to take place to expand into other countries but even to uh, to expand the penetration within one country um, it I want to drill into this by way of an analogy now um, when I joined Newbank I saw that there were you know hundreds of hundreds of microservices and what really impressed me was the uniformity of all the services and i can jump from service to service and things are laid out in generally the same way like i know where to find things that consume messages i know where to find things where um you know if you if you're writing an http endpoint but um i'm guessing that that wasn't uh an accident and um i think architects will say uh, like building architects will say you know if you take if you take a doghouse and you know it's a, a few feet wide uh, if you scale that up to the size of a stadium it wouldn't work right you have to have a completely different um, mechanism to build the support structures so that the building doesn't fall over um, how much of the 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 initial scaffolding um, that I'm assuming Ed, you put in place because I see your name in the I see your icon on um, in the GitHub pages <laughs> as the the leftmost icon, which to me indicates you were you know you were the the, the OG of, of setting all this stuff up. But 
Um, Got can it. You... You've been uh, get blaming by any chance? Uh, I mean, I don't even need to to get blamed. I just see I see see your icon there. Um, but how? What was your approach to making that scale to the size of Brazil, and then making it scale to uh, beyond Brazil? And um, and what what kind of um, what kind of obstacles did you hit? Yeah, great great question. So I think the first thing I would say is that it wasn't me as personally as it might look from the code sometimes because when we started Newbank, I had never worked professionally as a software engineer. I had done some stuff, right? Like here and there, I had a computer science degree, but nothing that would like prepare me to have a strong opinion about you know what will work. So we entered that sort of blank piece of paper phase in a very collaborative way. Like the initial team we built was very much part of the conversation. I remember at one point we, I had built like a backend for front end called Facade in Ruby that was then delegating to a bunch of Clojure backends. Um, and I, I can't remember why I did it other than like Clojure was really scary and I didn't understand it. And at least Ruby, like I knew how to get something done. Um, and at some point there was this big conversation and the team came to me and they were clearly slightly stressed about it, but they wanted to do an intervention. They didn't like this Ruby thing. They wanted to kill it. <laughs> so I wrote it. So they, you know, trying to be careful. And it was like, yeah, let's let's kill it. So that sort of thing, you know, we, we kind of leveraged our ignorance and our inexperience to get really open-minded about what to try. And that's kind of where Datomic came from and then Clojure came from as we're trying to think through what is our actual use case? What's actually hard about this problem, right? Because it's not it's not the same as any other problem. And how can we let that guide our choices and let us not fall into the trap of like, we're gonna do what we did before because that's what we know, or we're gonna do, you know, what is a safe bet, right? Nobody gets fired for choosing IBM or mm -hmm. Oracle or, or, you know, what have you. There's a lot of things like that. And I think that, you know, that ignorance and sort of recklessness, I guess, on some level <laughs> actually led to a lot of the great things that came later because mm -hmm. As you, as you mentioned, Clojure is a language with a lot of opinions uh, built into it, you know, for your own good. And we fully embraced that. And it wasn't hard to embrace that, right? Um, but on top of it, we had more opinions and we wanted to further constrain the way we did things so that we would have leverage. And we wanted to sort of retain the granularity to evolve the system in small chunks, kill a service off if we need to, and that kind of thing without completely losing control and having, you know, just a huge heterogeneous uh, kind of system that's hard to reason about or understand. And so I think we found a good medium there whereby there's a lot of services, but every service is actually quite similar. Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, they, the workloads of those services are, are, are pretty similar too. Like we, we haven't found a technical case at Nubank whereby like the JVM doesn't have an answer and we need to reach for something else. So. Um, it, it's been quite amenable to that. Um, but uh, as, as maybe as the last part of, of the answer, the granularity has really been helpful when we get to internationalization because we have things like uh, in Mexico, whereby some of our services are completely Brazil specific. They deal with domain concepts that simply don't exist in Mexico and often don't exist in any other country. Um, and most of the time that was actually really clear and a service was clearly a Brazil service. In other cases, clear global platforms, right? Authentication, authorization, we're not rewriting that thing per country, right? And then we found some things in the middle 
which needed to be split apart, right? We had places with coupling that, that shouldn't have been there. But overall, it was, it was sort of mechanical, right? Like, does this thing fit? Does it need to be split? And then the experience of launching a new market is sort of like taking the services that you want, right, from the shelf and, and, and not spending time on those and then writing whatever you need um, to, to solve the problems that are more uh, unique to, to your market. So I'm, I've been pretty happy with how that's played out. I will say that one of the other <clears throat> side benefits, and maybe it was a benefit that, that you had envisioned from the get-go, but certainly as now an engineering manager at New Bank, um, I'm taking advantage of this, which is uh, people can transfer across from team to team and not have to spend an inordinate amount of time to learn what the ground will look like upon their arrival. Like you don't have to re-onboard to switch teams, even if you're switching all the way across the org. Like you know, nothing even close to adjacent, you're still going to find something that looks relatively familiar. You know, you've got domain concepts you'll have to pick up, but you're not learning a whole new stack. You're not learning even a whole new usage pattern for that stack. Uh, and that's really powerful because as everybody knows, uh, engineers like to be able to move on to new challenges from time to time. And, and the, the less friction you can put in the pathway of somebody being able to do that, the, the more value the individual engineer can attain in their career, but also the more value that the organization can continue to capture because you're not slowing people down from doing the valuable work. Um, uh, and I think that's, it's pretty awesome, uh, especially again, in a company the size that New Bank is and the number of engineers it has, that that's almost universally true uh, across that whole population. Yeah, like the, the lateral flexibility that an engineer has. I mean, just being able to focus on the, uh, the domain. I mean, that's really what you want to focus on. You know, you don't want to focus on new frameworks for for calling functions or, you know, stuff like that. It, you really just want to take the domain and immerse yourself in it. And yeah, I mean, there, there's always folks that do want that, right? And I think that, um, you know, there's always moments for that conversation. But by having a path of least resistance that is so much smoother than basically every other path. I think it's sort of liberating. A lot of teams don't need to have that conversation, right? They don't need to be kind of arguing with one another about what sort of detail they're going to, you know, attack with which framework. It's sort of just assumed that you will use the standard thing unless you have a reason not to, um, which is great a lot of the time, but it also sort of highlights how important it is for that path of least resistance to be good, right? And high quality. It's like an awesome responsibility to make sure those common libraries and the infrastructure is is excellent right because people will follow that path even if it's even if it's not good because it's so much lower friction um, so so it really needs to be good the the flip side of that though is that if it's not good enough there's huge levers to make it better right you you make an improvement in a core common library and that is rolled out to 500 microservices uh, you know within a matter of a week so um, there's still good ways to evolve the 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 system, including in fairly large steps uh, as we scale. It, it's interesting to see that there are systems for allowing you to evolve the system. And like, if you make a change to one of the common libraries, there's a process to get that, get that rolled out. And it doesn't involve you going to 500 services, you know, that's essential, <laughs> right? right? I, until you until you want to make a huge breaking change and then and then all bets are off right <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I love the notion though that 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 for you know for most people there's a path of least resistance, but that there's still opportunity for people to dig in and rip apart you know concepts that are have been in play. I think this is a cultural thing that's really important. There's no pushback here in terms of like you know thinking carefully about could we make a more fundamental change to something like there's there there aren't a lot of sacred cows. There's not a lot of um, reasons to hold back on an opinion. And I, and I get to witness this on a daily basis. Everybody sort of has an opinion and it's great. They, they can all, everybody can get heard, but with that path of least resistance, it means that most things are still proceeding along. Some people just want to watch the bike shed burn, but like <laughs> there are, you know, for most people, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good conversation. And, and um, I will also say that the, uh, the enthusiasm um, with which people who are at all levels of their closure journey here, you know, from people who have five to 10 years under their belt to people who just learned it three weeks ago during their onboarding, um, pretty, pretty, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, pretty much everybody is enthusiastic about like the work that we're doing and i guess maybe we hire for that and maybe it's the filter that before you get in the door but it's like it's a real pleasure it's not always the case that wherever you are <clears throat> the tech stack is not the thing that people complain about <clears throat> and you know <clears throat> with my particular connection to that tech stack it's a pleasant surprise to find it being not thrown in my face very often <laughs> when i talk to people <laughs> yeah and, and on the other side of that it's pleasant to not hear oh you're you're not supposed to use it like that <laughs> expecting to hear that a lot more than i hear it and i think it's mostly because you folks are fairly polite but, um, <laughs> it's 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 the uh, consulting salesman part of us we just have to <laughs> no well you know Gotti, as a person who came along uh for this ride uh with cognitech and and you've now been here since august the third uh, you've had a chance as an engineer to get directly involved with a variety of teams and a variety of problem spaces. How has that felt for you? How have these ideas that we've just talked about, about being an owner, you know, being able to make a difference, how's that manifested for you on the job? That's a great question. I, I, I've participated with maybe four separate teams now, um, a couple teams um more than once and um you know I've, I've i've always felt that um i felt that anything that i uh did or mentioned or suggested or uh redirected or uh worked with somebody on um i i had this sense of openness from everybody on the on um the teams and people were extremely uh, open-minded about uh, uh, doing things that they may not have been comfortable with. I worked, um, one of the first projects was uh, on a team that was uh, dealing with high transaction rates and uh, low latency requirements. And it was really, really a, an amazing experience because it was a, a huge effort with, I would say, maybe a, a at least a hundred different people, but not maybe not a hundred engineers, but we were able to 
fundamentally change the way the system worked within a week. And we, we hit all the latency requirements um, within within about like six or seven days. And that was just unbelievable. Um, n- not only because, you know, obviously the, the end goal was, uh, w- was achieved, but getting there was really straightforward. I had all the tools to... Um, to sort of like debug the system, what was going on. Um, you know, when you have 500 services, um, you're not really dealing in one service at a time. You're usually dealing with like a cluster of two or three or four services that work together, like a little constellation of, of services. And so you have to have great logging. We have great logging. You have to have um, great visibility into the infrastructure and we definitely do. So um, me knowing nothing about these services prior to that, um, I found it really, really useful and like easy to just look in Splunk and in the logging systems to to figure out what was going on. And um, all the other engineers were extremely helpful um, in sort of like just plotting what was going on between you know these three or four services. Um, so that was really cool. I. Like it, by the way, Gadi, I don't I don't know if you know this, but the that was the PIX uh, the PIX example, right? Which is a new yeah. real transfer system nationally for Brazil, uh, which we helped to design, and now is processing almost two million transactions a day already. And that was like a few months ago that that you folks worked on that. It's it, pretty it, pretty cool. It the how tangible your your code is, and when you realize that you know you make a change to this code. It's going to hit multiple millions of people um, uh, in a country who rely on your ability, you, you know, your, your code to, to transfer money from from place to place. Um, that is definitely tangible, um, uh, both when you you know when you do something positive and when you ship a bug, um, which everybody does from from now and now and then. Um, I but... will I will point out our incredible focus on a blameless postmortem. Uh, uh, culture, like I know, Gotti, you got welcomed into the the uh, crash channel <laughs> with open arms. Actually, but, uh... literally, um, I I did ship a bug that that crashed um, that crashed a system, and you know it's always nerve wracking to be in an incident scenario. But um, in Slack, in in the plethora of channels and emojis and uh, and you know direct messages, the very first message. Uh, the very first thing that happened when I when I posted the crash message um, was uh, one of my uh, one of my coworkers um, slapping a welcome emoji on the crash message, as in <laughs> "Welcome to the team, bud." <laughs> that was that was that was really nice to like ease your nerves when you uh, when you when you crash a system. But um, not you're not crashing. You're not you're not trying. A lot of people have these like. I guess now like stories they tell about like horrible ways that I crashed the entire mm-hmm. company like in the in the old days which now they they don't let me but, uh, <laughs> it's part of the part of the process yeah you can't you know can't make an omelet right um but I I don't know I just I found it really easy to work in the services and the I think the uniformity of all the services that you know I might find some stuff that I don't like about how services are set up, but it's trumped by the fact that the the uniformity gives you leverage, and you're you're able to move 
between these code bases and figure out like, okay, if it's going to Kafka, I can find it here. If it's coming from Kafka, I can find it there. If it's going over HTTP, I mean, it's just easy. Um, and I think Clojure being sort of uh, open-ended and full control, full freedom at your, um, at your disposal, it's critical to have um, some structure. It's critical to have uniformity. And I've never, I, I personally have never seen it um, done at a better, larger scale than what I've seen uh, internally at Newbank. So that was really exciting to see. I think that's one of the hidden upsides of closure as an example. Um, folks always bring up, but you can't hire closure engineers, right? There's not that many of them. And that may be true, although you don't need that many of them for your company, right? So often, like, there are enough. But the, the, the other benefit of hiring people into Clojure who don't know Clojure already is that it, like, it shapes the culture of the company, it shapes the way people think and solve problems, and it sort of encourages that sort of consistency across the company because people aren't coming in with very strongly held sort of preconceived notions of how to do X thing, right? Everybody's sort of learning it together and that it's uh, the consistency is, is one of the benefits of that. It's worth, um, it's worth dovetailing off of that for a second to just remind everybody that, that uh, while Newbank is, you know, 700 closure developers strong right now and, and we are hiring and we'd love to talk to folks, um, there are plenty of other people who are still hiring uh, for closure and, um, and just keep in mind that, that fundamentally the only thing that's really changed uh, in the, the, the closure story um, with the acquisition of Cognitech by Newbank is uh, the size of the organization that is um, hoping to support the community, right? And the closure still is copyright rich hickey and uh, it still has uh, the same, you know, open source um, uh, plans and mentalities and license and everything else. Uh, although it does have one extra person on the core team, Michael Fogus joined the core team um, for closure, I think uh, three weeks ago, five weeks ago when you're hearing this probably. Um, uh, but, you know, now we have an organization the size and scale of Newbank uh, that's allowing us to, you know, accelerate some of our ideas and plans for supporting uh, the entire community, for supporting individual open source uh, contributors. Um, we have grand plans for events when we can finally get away from this pandemic, right? You have not seen the last of Closure Conj or Closure South. Those things are coming. Um, uh, and, you know, we are thinking about uh, uh, the best ways to do those all the time. And, and uh, you know, we still want to contribute and, and support, contribute to and support all the events that everybody else has been hosting all these years. You'll remember we uh, as Cognitech as an in individual company, um, we tried to support, you know, the, the, the closure conferences that were being held all around the globe. So none of that has changed. Um, uh, we just have more opportunity um, uh, to do more good with the community. So uh, uh, that's important to know. And, you know, side note, same is true for Datomic, right? They, nothing has changed about the Datomic business model. All that's really changed is we've added people to the team. The team is growing uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's been really, really awesome as part of this marriage of the two companies that that's gone as smoothly and as, um, uh, you know, with as much value add, I think, as it's already been able to do. Like we, we just, did not get 
um, anything like the amount of fear or FUD uh, from both communities um, as, as might have, you know, you might have expected in these kinds of announcements. Uh, and I think that that has a lot to do with the clarity of the messaging that we all focused on at the time and then just, you know, doing what we said we were going to do after that. Um, and so uh, more of that to come. It's, it's, it's amazing to me to think about Newbank kind of having been here when it didn't exist. Um, but to think about Newbank today as like a pre-IPO company that's growing rapidly, but which still feels like a startup in many, in many respects. Um, operating at scale, able to come in, join a team, own some services and ship a product. A, a good example is some Cognitech folks joined uh, the investments team of building out an asset management platform and, and shipping that. Um, the connection between the code you write and seeing that in production 15 minutes later uh, is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool to be able to do things that are gonna live a long time and operate at scale. Um, but it's also pretty cool to have a diversity of options of where to work in Newbank, right? You could end up working on Datomic internals. You could end up on the Closure Core team. You could end up uh, in horizontal platform teams, building infrastructure and libraries uh, for the rest of the engineers. You could build out a new marketplace solution, which is a good example that we're looking at opening up Newbank, making Newbank more API first, API as the product and integrating with an ecosystem and distributing um, things from third parties through our channel to our customer base. So there's a lot of things at different life stages and a lot of different types of technical challenges. Uh, and that diversity is something we didn't always have in the company. So there, there are benefits to scale. Um, but, uh, and, and I think the, the sort of overhead is, is still managed, right? And, and we work really hard at that. That's not, uh, that's not by accident. I will say that there's two, uh, sentences or phrases that, that, um, get repeated a lot once you're inside Newbank uh, that are both um, demonstrated over and over and over again that are very true. Um, one of which is we are owners, not renters, right? Um, uh, this, this feeling that uh, everybody has an opportunity to make things better whenever they see, you know, a challenge that can be overcome. Uh, teams have a, like sometimes stupendous amount of autonomy to make their own decisions uh, to push even into new markets, to push at markets differently, um, and to do so based on what they're learning in the moment. And it's pretty stunning. Um, and the other thing is, is uh, you know, a devotion to fanatical customers. I think the customer focus here is, it's not lip service by any stretch of the imagination. This, this, this company really is built on a foundation of trying to make life easier for people. Um, uh, and uh, it's, you know, long been one of my own personal passions to to try to drive pain and complexity. At, right? It's like if you're going to make something that 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 is going to be shoved in people's faces, it ought to make life easier for them, not harder. Um, uh, it's great mean, to have that. What's I that? Think you mean, I think you mean simpler, right? Right. That's, that's, that's right. right. I, I definitely definitely meant easier. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and yes, I I I am. I am personally gratified at how how well aligned you know we are on that right this is this this company really does aim to make life better for the people who consume its services and its products and that's that's just great it, it, it makes it easy to do the work you know what I mean you're never struggling against 
what the mission is. You're just struggling against the challenge of achieving the mission, which is, it, it makes it easy. Yeah, taking, taking sort of information asymmetry and friction and bureaucracy and high prices and just like stripping that out of something, at least I consider to be a basic utility that all humans need in, in the form of financial services. You compare that to other utilities that we can just take for granted utterly and just assume they will work, right? Uh, and, and financial service is not there yet, but I think people that work at Nubank can actually see our role in, you know, hopefully helping people to take that for granted in the future, right? That they know that their bank is not out to get them, that they can sort of put things on autopilot and the right things will happen. I don't think anything like that is, is how people feel about their financial lives today. <laughs> and so there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do, especially if you think about all the different countries where we need to do that. But Thanks again to our guests, Ed and Justin. We are definitely going to have you both back on the show. But for now, this has been the Cognicast. have been listening to the Cognicast. The Cognicast is brought to you by Cognitech. You can subscribe to the Cognicast, listen to past episodes, and view cover art, show notes, and episode transcripts at our home on the web, cognitech.com slash Cognicast. You can contact the show by tweeting at Cognicast or emailing us at podcast at cognitech.com. This week, our guests were Ed Weibel and Justin Getlin. And just to reiterate what Ed and Justin said in today's episode, Nubank and Cognitech are hiring engineers, project managers, product managers, technical writers, technical onboarding specialists, and education specialists. So if our journey sounds exciting and interesting to you, reach out to us at jobs at Cognitech.com. This week, our host was Gadi Shaban, who is at Smash the Past on Twitter. Episode cover art is by me, Russ Olson, based on an original photograph called Sunrise in the Arctic by Gazelle Farhani? My apologies if I'm mispronouncing that name. I have a feeling I am. It is a really lovely picture. Link is in the show notes. Audio production is by Joe Smith and Jared Benford. The Cognicast is produced by Kim Foster. The main theme music is by Newbank's own Otto Nascarara. You can find his music on Spotify, Deezer, and Apple Music, and you can find the links in the show notes. I'm Russ Olson. Please stay safe and healthy out there as we all look to better times ahead for the new year. Thanks for listening.